Today's guest is Rob Deep, president of MH1. From Blow Pops to Forbes' best small companies, Rob started his first business in high school selling Blow Pops out of his locker. For the last 28 years, he served as president and co-founder of MH1, ranked as one of the top 25 small businesses in America on the 2017 list of Forbes Small Giants. Throughout Rob's entrepreneurial journey, he's developed an unwavering passion for delivering extraordinary experiences that positively impact the lives of his team members, the goals of their customers, and the fabric of the community. A unique approach to business that has driven the company to success in its industry and as a top workplace. Image One is simply the best at helping clients optimize and manage print, automate business process, and secure documents, and is well known as an exceptional company, receiving local and national recognition for its multi-award winning culture. Rob is an avid meditator of 14 years, the author of Do Nothing, the most rewarding leadership challenge you'll ever take, the organizer of the Do Nothing Leadership Silent Retreat and host of the Do Nothing podcast. Let's take a listen to what Rob Deep has got to say. So thank you for joining in today, Rob. I'm really excited to speak with you and to actually explore your mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Rob, I before I get into questions, tell tell me and the audience a little bit about your soul and and how you came about writing your book and how you came about creating your company. Sure. Um, I'll do the Cliff Notes version, and then you can prompt me if you want me to go into more detail. But essentially, uh, from an early age, I had an entrepreneurial spark. <clears throat> it happened to be uh, with my best friend, who is still my business partner. His name is Joel Perlman. And we uh, did all kinds of businesses in high school and in college. And then after college, uh, we decided to start um, the company that we own and operate today called Image One. Um, that was in 1991. And uh, when I was growing up, I had some family challenges. And uh, I, I became sort of an anxious person. Um, stress came quite naturally to me. And uh, so starting this business with my best friend um, caused, you know, a flare up of, of anxiety. Um, about a year later, I got married. And so I was married, you know, for the most part, depending, you know, in, in my bubbles, I was married at an early age. And then uh, we had our first child, my wife and I had our first child when I, uh, by the time I was 25. So in a short span of time, I graduated from college, started a business, um, uh, married, got married and had a child. And when this, when we were doing this startup, we weren't making any money. So being married and having a child and not making money isn't exactly a stress <laughs> reducer, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you have a propensity for it. So I realized along the way that something wasn't feeling right. Um, and so what I actually did was I went to therapy. I went to therapy for 10 years and I found it to be very impactful. Um, it really helped me understand some of the cause and effect as to what was going on, but uh, it wasn't settling me. 
and I was still sort of searching and I read about meditation in Time Magazine. And uh, they happened to have uh, an article which was a cover story. And so on the cover, there was a woman who was meditating. And um, uh, there was a particular incident that took place that prompted me to try it. And what happened was in 2004, Joel and I sold our business. And uh, this was the first time we'd really ever worked for anybody. And it was a very large company. It was very bureaucratic and um, really wonderful people, but it was challenging. And it was causing that anxiety to, you know, come back stronger than ever. And I remember I was on vacation with my family and they were enjoying the day. And I looked across the room at this chair because I was very worked up. I was uh, on the verge of crying. And I just said to myself to go sit in that chair for five minutes and just breathe in and breathe out like I'd read in that article. And I set a timer for five minutes. And when I was done, I felt a lot better. My problems didn't go away and I was still had the same frustrations uh, that I needed to face. Um, but I just felt clearer minded. I felt calmer. I felt like I could take it on better. And so I thought maybe there was something to this. And so um, I, I started to investigate it further. Um, and then Joel and I had the opportunity to buy our business back in 2006, which we did. And uh, that's kind of been the journey continues from there. Wow, that, that's, that's quite a journey. And, and thank you for sharing that. And, and what you said, one thing that you said really stood out to me, you mentioned about when the anxiety was overwhelming, you felt like crying. This is something what a lot of people speak about. Right? They feel that if you show emotions, it's weakness. If you show emotions that you're not a strong person, you're not capable of doing things in life, or you're not stable, or in the corporate field, they, they say you're not emotionally stable or emotionally intelligent, right? Why? I know that you've been meditating and you've been teaching in some forms as well. Why do you think people have that false perception that, if you cry or if you show emotions that you become weak or why do people perceive others to be weak? Well, to the latter part of your question, I don't know that really anybody does perceive them to be weak. That's kind of the irony of it all. Um, why people are afraid to show emotions. I think there's probably many answers to that question, but one that came to my mind when, as you were asking it was uh, that, you know, in, in, especially in our society, it seems that we all want to act as if, as if our lives are wonderful. You know, you can take a look at social media, you know, and just see what people are posting. They aren't generally posting the things, the parts of their lives that aren't fabulous. It's usually the fabulous things mm -hmm. that we're seeing. <laughs> so, but we all know what's really going on. Um, at least, you know, at our, at our, subconscious level we know but um yeah so that, that's a good question and, and i do think maybe sometimes we just we just want to give the sense that you know we got it all together and i actually think that being vulnerable um and authentic is is much more endearing and i think that it attracts um the right sorts of people in your life and uh it also helps you because 
people don't like to see other humans who are suffering and they want to help. <laughs> that's, that's true. Like when we see other people suffering, we feel a deep sense of connection. At least for me, I feel a deep <laughs> sense of connection. Um, but that is in, in general, right? Like when we see other people suffering in countries, when, when we watch it on the telly, when we see countries of war, of people being bombed and families running away, we feel a deep sense of connection to them. And when someone is, uh, someone's home is taken away and we see it on the telly as well, we feel a deep sense of connection. Now, this is something that I want to understand. Uh, I do not, I want, and I want to hear your perspective as well. But when things go wrong, not wrong, but in the corporate field, right? In corporate America, things are really stressful. Like I said, people get anxiety. I was there once as well, anxiety, crying. I would wake up at 2 a.m. crying to my husband. I'll get panic attacks. When this goes on in corporate America, a human level is missing. Where expectations from the manager uh, is to know it's not my problem, you do your work or take a mental day. That is the kind of scenario I've seen for the past three years. I'm, I'm not speaking, I'm not saying that this is it, but that's what I've seen for the past three years. But why is that element, that human connection missing in the corporate field? And how can we overcome that? It's hmm. a good question. Um, you know, it may, it may have something to do again with, with, um, uh, this perception that I got it all together and sort of buck up and, you know, do your work and get it done. I don't have time for this. Um, you know, the, the corporate pressures coming from every angle, especially with cultures, depending on the type of culture that the company is, um, it's so, there's a lot of high stress situations and it starts to filter down from the top into the you know mid-level management especially in these larger organizations mm -hmm. and uh, people are fearful in many ways and they don't want to look bad and and uh, and then that gets filtered down to their teams and it causes a big virtuous cycle um, I, I see less of it these days, quite frankly, which is really wonderful. I think mental health is, is a more common um, thing that companies are saying, this is real, we're, put, we're doing too much, we're pushing too much to the employees. And it's actually, you know, not only is it not the right thing, but it's not good for our performance because right. when people aren't at their best, they're not making good decisions. They're they don't care, you know, about the overall well-being of the company. And it doesn't matter whether you're the, you know, CEO or the mid-manager or the janitor. I mean, you got to care about what you're doing. Feel good about it. Feel like you're, you're part of the cause. Um, and if that starts to get disconnected, um, you know, the, the company's performance starts to suffer. So that's my take on it. Right. Um, yeah. Brilliant. So I want to get into um, what you have written about. And you said that how, uh, this is something that you write about in your book, how mindful leaders create extra extraordinary cultures. Can you speak a little bit about that, please? 
how mindful leaders uh, create extraordinary, well, I think at first it just starts with caring for the totality of your employees' lives. And, and I, I always, our employees, we, we call them team members. Um, and uh, really, we're just a bunch of humans doing stuff. No one's better than the next person. We're all just the same. And I think in leadership roles, um, it's really important for us to embrace the fact that our team members have all the skills and answers that they usually need. And what oftentimes happens is, um, I'm just going to use you know, a couple examples. For example, uh, a team member may come to a leader in the company with a problem, and they might be saying, well, here's what's going on. This is the situation. And, and typically, the leader is uh, the immediate fix, you know, here's what you need to do. Call the person, do this, do that, da, 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 you know, and that's the leader wanting to be the, uh, hero. And I actually think the best leaders are the ones that, although they have the answers and they may intuitively or through experience know what to do, they actually don't give the answers. They empower their team member through a set of questions or even better, just listening with full energy, full presence, um, just letting the person, sometimes a person just needs, and I'm like this too, you just need to talk something through. And as the, as the thoughts in your mind are coming, into, uh, coming out of your mouth in the, in the form of words, you're starting to hear what you're saying and it's helping you identify maybe the right path just through getting it out. And I think the best leaders just listen. And uh, if listening isn't enough, they're just really curious and ask really good questions and then empowering the team member to do the right thing. And it, the, the right thing isn't always black and white. It, you know, there are many right things. There are many paths and so while the team member might take the path that I would have suggested, you know, their path may be equally as good or better than the one I would have suggested. And oftentimes that is the case. So, um, you know, I, I think these traits that we're talking about now, this, that, that leaders can exhibit uh, this true presence, this true vulnerability and authenticity, um, you know, it makes the difference for the people on their teams, in, in, especially in terms of their life experience. You know, at the end of the day, we want our team members to not feel like, you know, oh, I'm at work and then I'm at home. It's just all life and we're just doing stuff. And um, I think when we get that perspective, it's just, you know, can we show up and be our best at every moment, no matter where we are, not longing to be home longing to be someplace else because you're not someplace else. So you can't do anything about that. It, you know, you, you're at work. So let's show up and have fun and do good stuff at work. You might as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And I absolutely loved what you said, Rob. You, you mentioned about listening, greatly just listen and having that conversation, that that really organic conversation and that's so true sometimes it, it, this is just not inherently present at the workplace but in life as well sometimes when you're stuck you just need someone to speak to and as you speak it out or as you talk it out 
your brain starts to connect with different things. And that seems to be missing. And, and, and that's a great point that you make. Good leaders listen and not expect the other person to do certain things via their, their experience, like you said. It's like, even though they have experience, they kind of direct and like talk it out. That's so fantastic. And I love what you said by empowering. You are listening. When you listen, you empower others. That is so powerful. Sometimes we just speak for the sake of speaking or we speak because we want to hear our voice or we want to be heard and seen, right? And yeah. we have forgotten the art of listening. Like giving someone else the year actually gives them courage and empowerment. That's just beautifully put. Yeah. And I also loved what you said that now so many different parts parts right that uh, when there isn't just one way to do things now so many different ways to do things mm-hmm. and like you mentioned in the world of social media right everything is just in the now right now everyone wants it now because social media is a form of seduction i call it seduction because it's like every it's right on your hands right now everyone is scrolling through social media and saying oh my god this person is flying to Paris and their job is sending them here and this is they're doing this and so many things and that kind of creates a tunnel vision to people when tunnel vision happens to someone that kind I feel that that kind of bleeds into home life social life and work life right and once tunnel vision comes about people do not have the ability to find solutions they feel that is just one way but you mentioned something about there are so many different ways to find solutions that isn't just one way. And I absolutely love it, what you just said. Mm. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into meditation. Um, does meditation or how does meditation benefit people at a larger level? I, I know that meditation gives us clarity and puts us as calm. Uh, I meditate. There are different ways of meditation. But what are the long terms of meditation where, where empowerment and courage comes into place? Mm. Well, as it relates to empowerment and in, in what was the second one? Encouragement? Courage and encouragement. Courage. Right. Mm. Well, I think that the sort of meditation that I practice, which is uh, just focus breath uh, awareness. And the practice that, that I'm doing is bringing myself to the present moment. So before I answer the question about empowerment and encouragement or courage, um, let me just take you through for a second kind of what's happening during a meditation, the type that I do. <clears throat> I'm sitting quietly in a certain type of posture, which is dignified, and it allows for me to sit comfortably. And that's important um, because uh, to the degree that you can sit comfortably um, in a posture, it's easier to sit and meditate. A lot of people have physical challenges with just sitting. Um, And so I like to always, it's something that a lot of people don't actually talk about is just physically getting yourself set up. It's not complicated. Um, but, uh, uh, so once you're set up properly, 
you start focusing on your breath and just simply following your breath with the realization that you're breathing. And uh, that is something that we take for granted. I think I read somewhere we, we breathe in and out like 18,000 times a day or something like that. Um, and, you know, we don't think about that. And it's the gift. I mean, it's an absolute gift that we're just sitting there breathing. When I was growing up, I had severe asthma. And I think about that a lot. And I only bring that up because there were times where I was having a really hard time breathing. And, and I understand what it's like when you can't breathe. And when you can breathe normally, it's, it really is such a gift. Now, as you're focusing on your breath in and out, your mind starts to wander immediately. Uh, even the most long-term meditators have this. So this is normal. And I like to bring this up because I speak to so many people who share with me that they just can't clear their mind. They're doing it wrong. It's not working. And it's actually quite the contrary. What's happening is you're thinking incessantly. It's what our mind does. Where, and, and you really can't turn it off. What you can do when you're thinking and, and essentially you're, you're someplace else, even though you're sitting in a chair in a room, say in your house, or you're sitting on a, on a cushion however you choose to do it. Like that's where you actually are physically, but mentally you're at your job talking to your manager about the problem that was going on. It's like, right. you're like, you can even see it, you know, it's, that's how powerful our minds are. And so the practice, like, like a sport, like, like a musical instrument, you know, like a hobby, the, you're practicing coming back to the present moment where you are at that time in your house on the chair you know with the sights and sounds around you and that's the practice of coming back to the present moment and where this serves you well is actually not as much in that practice it's actually later because you start to understand the feeling of being in the present moment and so when you're at work uh, for just to use work as an example, or even in your everyday life, uh, things start to happen that don't go your way. They're agitating. Um, they feel stressful. Work starts to build up. You can't keep up, or the person in line at Starbucks is taking forever, and you're on a you know you got to get going, or whatever the case. They have a very specific order, and it's driving you nuts. And and this is where you are able through your practice to come to the present moment and gain some perspective. Uh, how much does it really matter that I'm being held up by five minutes? I mean, really, you know, what's going to happen if my work uh, builds up and uh, my manager's upset with me, they might fire me. Well, okay. Am I good enough to go find a job someplace else and go do something that's more fulfilling uh, where I don't feel these stresses? It, that I wasn't enjoying to begin with. You, know, you, you start, you could come and have some perspective about it. The other thing that you can do um, is starting to look at people with love and kindness. And we're all, we all have this basic goodness within us and we forget about it, I think. Uh, at least that's my perspective. I, I feel that we forget about it in our day-to-day -day activities because if we weren't forgetting about it, why would people get upset when they got caught off driving? 
or you know why would people get upset if somebody in the grocery line had you know was taking a long time why would these have why would this happen because we just forget we just get in our own head in our own world in our own bubble and we forget that that person in front of us is is you know and and i know when i say it everybody says yeah of course but you know, reflect a little on the times throughout the last week where you did kind of lose sight of the fact that, you know, this person in front of you is a real human with real issues, just like you, you know, who knows what they're dealing with. All this stuff I'm saying is stuff we've all heard a thousand times, you know, I'm not making it up. I'm just reinforcing it, you know, and part of the practice is coming back to that present moment where you can say, you know, hey, I'm breathing. I'm here. I'm alive. I can choose how I react in all these situations. I get to choose and it's empowering and it takes courage. It does take courage because many times we follow the, the path that we think we need to follow. You know, some people come out of school and they think they need to, you know, go, uh, you know, go to college. They have to have a certain kind of internship and then they have to have a certain kind of job when they come out and then they have to, the next logical thing you're supposed to do is do this. And then the next logical thing you're supposed to do is that. And the reality is, is it, it doesn't need to be that way. You can follow your heart. You can follow your passions and be practical while you're doing it. You know, you have to make a living and, you know, make support your lifestyle, whatever your lifestyle is. And, um, but we do have choices and, and the practice allows us to let go of those fears that that hold us back in our lives and uh and know that we're just got, we're just on a journey we're just going down a path and and wherever it takes us there's a lesson there and sometimes we like the lesson and sometimes we don't <laughs> you know sometimes we we're we we learn hard lessons and we don't like those kind because they're painful we only like the kinds that, you know, serve us in a, and, and get us what we want. But they all, you got to have them all, you know. Right. No one takes the perfect path. I haven't seen that yet. No, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love what you said about love and kindness and, and, and having a different perspective. Like you mentioned, if. You know, if it's taking five minutes to get your Starbucks, it's, it's so true. We get so frustrated standing in queue, waiting for our turn to order that coffee or tea. And I've seen it. I, I, I'm guilty of it. Like sometimes I lose my patience because it's like, why is it taking so long to order your coffee? Because the person can't make up their mind. And it takes, it's just, it does not cost anything. You're so right. It does not cost anything for us to have compassion, a little bit of kindness, to have a little bit of patience, to, to think maybe they're having a really frazzled day. So that's why they can't make up their mind. You know, uh, they are feeling nervous, whatever it is, they can't make up their mind. It's so true. Love and kindness goes a long way and it does not cost anything. Um, and you spoke about perspective as well. And it's you're so right, Rob. Sometimes it's the perspective, right, that we're coming from. Or let's say if we're driving and and someone walks right in front of our car and we have to slam on our brakes, the first thing that comes to our head is that oh my god, my car. We think about 
the superficial assets around us. Oh my God, it's my car. Oh my God, is any anything injured? Because we are more concerned about the car as opposed to the real being <laughs> walking in front of us. And it's all right, like putting things in perspective, showing love and kindness, everything does not cost anything. And it relates to us coming back to being in the moment, right? Sometimes it's so difficult for us to be in the moment and I think that meditation helps a lot. Not, I think I know meditation helps a lot. I used to be a really frazzled person. Like working 18 hours a day did not help <laughs> at all. But when you meditate, it puts things into perspective. And you mentioned about the different types of meditation. And I want people to know that meditation is not an overwhelming thing. It can be as simple as just sitting down and breathing or looking at flowers and breathing, right? Because yeah. the minute you talk about meditation, everyone gets overwhelmed and intimidated. So, mm -hmm. and you spoke about breathing, just breathe and, you know, sit in a comfortable state. How can someone who has not meditated at all in their entire life, they want to start meditating, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, the first thing I would say is don't have any expectations. I think the most common thing that I see is that people, especially nowadays, um, you know, meditation is being talked about. There's just a thousand apps and, you know, all the famous people and, you know, it's, are meditating. And so it, there's, there's people that are saying, you know, I ought to do this. This must be good. You know, I'm hearing enough about it. And then they do it and they try it and, and they get on one of the streaks, you know, on one of the apps and they say, Oh, I've done it for 12 days straight. Like I've done it for 21 days. Awesome. Which is awesome. I'm not taking anything away from that. But um, at a certain point I've noticed, and, and you can see it in the attrition with the meditation apps, attrition, meaning people that start and then they cancel their subscriptions very high. And the reason my belief is the reason is that there's expectations and the expectations is this is going to be some sort of magic pill that's going to make me feel better and take me away from the stresses of my life. And the fact is, is that meditation does not do that. What meditation does is it helps you deal with the stresses of life. It helped you, you mentioned perspective. It's, it helps you bring perspective to the stresses of life. Like what are you getting stressed out about and does it really matter? And and that's what practicing means. And that's a word that I think people think practicing means I'm doing meditation. It doesn't mean that. It actually means that you are practicing coming into the present moment. So when you're in life, you can use that skill. It's kind of like I'll use two analogies. Um, some people relate to sports. And as if I, I use basketball or golf a lot because people can relate to it. So in basketball, uh, the best players stay in the gym late and they shoot free throws and they shoot a hundred of them or a thousand of them or whatever. And then the big game is on the line and they don't have to think they can hit the free throw with the big game with everybody shouting at them and all that kind of stuff because they just do it naturally through the practice. Golf, there's golf is a very hard game. Some people 
have trouble, and most people have trouble with it, but when you hit the ball a certain way, I don't play, but this is what I've been told. When you hit the certain ball, the ball a certain way, you feel it. Like you kind of knew you hit a good shot through practice. You just know that. Uh, if you play an instrument, you, you know, you're playing, you don't hit the notes quite right. You keep practicing, you keep practicing, you practice, your, your, your fingers are, you know, getting blisters and, you know, whatever. But then when there's the big concert, it just all comes together because you practiced. And, right. and, and this is the, these are the examples of, of what, where meditation um, gets, uh, you know, sort of misunderstood. And, and, and so I think it's important to know that you need, you need patience and um, it's a lifetime practice. It's a lifetime practice. You're going you're gonna to do it every day. There's not a starting point and a stopping point where you go, okay, I'm good. I don't need this anymore. Cool. It's just a lifetime practice. It's, it's, it's like a foundational life tool is how I look at it. And most of us don't get it taught to us at a young age, but we all have these foundational tools that we use in life. And this is one of them um, that shows up big time, um, you know, when we're out and about in the world. And, you know, we like to say here at my company, um, you have a choice. You can be a lifter upper or a dragger downer. And which is more fun? I mean, don't we love helping people? Don't we love being kind to people? It's a great feeling. It's kind of selfish in a way. It feels good for us and we like it and it's the way it should be. So let's be a lifter upper. Anytime we get in our head and we start to get, you know, that dark, get in that dark place and get irritated and all that, come back to the present moment, put things in perspective and be a lifter upper. Go do something that lifts somebody else up. You know, somebody sends you an email, that's a big, you know, words and how things are written and mis misinterpreted, lost in translation. When you read it, read it without judgment. Know that the person on the other end likely didn't mean anything by it, or maybe they did. So what? You can be a lifter upper. You can respond to that email with love and kindness. You have a choice to do that. You don't have to get in a word fight with somebody to see who can be more articulately dragging you down. You know, it right. doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve them. Let go of your ego, you know, and right. lift them up. They will shift. <laughs> so I, I know I went on a, I kind of went on a yeah. side journey I, there. But. I love it. I love it. It's, and, and you hit it right on the head. You mentioned about the ego, right? And in most of the cases, ego comes into play. Like even like going back to the coffee, right? We are in the queue waiting for our turn to, to order the coffee. It's our ego. It's, we feel that, oh, I'm much more important. Hurry up with your bloody coffee. I need to get in line, right? And that's the thing, like you mentioned about the ego. It's, it's, it's our ego coming into place as to how dare you write this? How dare you treat me like this? And you're so right, Rob. When we shift the perspective into love and kindness, like you said, is it lift upper or upper lift? Lifter upper. Lifter upper. Or dragger downer. Right. Lifter upper. There you go. If you become a lifter upper, you are becoming the catalyst to trigger all kinds of goodness, right? Even a, bad, a person in a bad mood. Like I have encountered this so many times when I go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, the person, the cashier might be having a bad day. 
their face might be so gloomy. And then when my turn comes and they're just straight face and just straight eyes, the eyes look as though they are gonna eat my soul. And just one simple, how's your day? How's your day going? And that puts a smile on your face, right? It's just like, like I said, you're so right. Kindness and love and being in the present moment. Even if that person is not being present in the moment, you can become that catalyst to bring them back to the present mm -hmm. moment. I love that. I absolutely love that. Could I share a couple more things about oh, meditation? Absolutely. Okay. So one thing is when you're sitting and focusing on your breath and your mind's going all over the place and you realize, oh, I'm thinking, you come back to your breath and then you'll breathe for a very short period of time. You'll be focused on your breath and then all of a sudden your mind will take over again. While that's all happening and you have these thoughts, sometimes our thoughts drag us down and they get us in a, in a certain state of mind. And what is uh, important to work on during the type of meditation that I do, the focus breath attention, is to allow your thoughts to um, be without judgment. <clears throat> and that's a really powerful thing, no judgment. They just are, just allow them to be. Because oftentimes we're grasping on and being hard on ourselves. Oh, I should have done that. I shouldn't have said this. And you know what? This particular time you get a, you get a free card to just allow it to be. You don't need to be a hard on yourself during this particular time. If you want to be hard on yourself later, that's up to you. But you're practicing just moving on, moving on. Let it go. Touch and go. Touch and go. You touch the thought, let it go. Touch the thought, let it go. You think of that little bug on the, the water bugs that kind of skim along the water. It's touch and go, yes. touch and go. Think of your thoughts like that. And, um, and, and so without judgment, very important. Just keep reminding yourself, no judgment, no judgment, no judgment. Okay. And by the way, all this is way easier said than done. So realize that when you're trying to not have judgment and it's not working, that's fine. Just be okay with that too. And just keep practicing it. Uh, I wanted to talk for a second about love and kindness because there's actually a really beautiful meditation that people can do. And I teach it at almost every time I do a talk, I do the, um, the uh, a love and kindness meditation. And it's a very simple meditation. I personally do it one time per week uh, on Saturday morning. And it's, it starts with wishing yourself love and kindness. And I, I like to start there because people have trouble with that one a lot of times because they feel like uh, it's all about them. And, and what about, you know, I want to take care of other people, which is wonderful. But if you're not of right mind and if you're not of right, you know, uh, being, uh, it's hard to take care of other people mentally in a healthy way. And so start with yourself and wish yourself love and kindness, health and healing and safety and security. And it's a simple thing. Just look at yourself in the mirror and just allow that to be. And then from there, do the same thing for somebody who you love without judgment, the person you love the most in the world. And that's always easy. And then think about somebody who's kind of neutral in your life. It could be that uh, uh, the checkout person at Trader Joe's that you see, you know, a couple times a week or whatever. And just picture that person in your head and wishing them that. Uh, and then another hard one, somebody who's very difficult in your life, causes you challenges, causes you angst. It could be somebody you know personally. It could be somebody, you know, a world leader or something that's making you nuts. 
just wish them loving kindness, health and healing, safety and security. It's a hard thing to do, but do it. You know, try it. Go through the process with it. Um, and and then you know, let's get some perspective about the what is it? Eight billion people, I think we have now on this earth, and they're all running around with their own thoughts and their own issues and their own lives all over the place. They're like a bunch of ants all over the place. So kind of bring yourself up and maybe imagine looking down on the earth at all these people who at their genuine, you know, at their core, they, they, they're just like you. They're, they're just like you and wish them love and kindness, health and healing and safety and security, wishing the whole, you know, all the beings because the vast majority of them want the, we all want the best for each other. So if you're going to play the odds, the odds are so highly in our favor that we all want the best for each other. And so we get caught up on the, the small percentage of people that aren't serving us the way we want. Let's let that go. Wish them the best. They have their set of challenges and we don't know where that came from. And so without judgment, we wish them all the best, love and kindness, health and healing, safety and security. And we focus on the rest, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who are just like us, who want basic goodness in this world. And uh, when we can bring that kind of energy, um, it's, it, is, it's, it, it attracts, it attract, people want to be around you. People want to, um, uh, they want to interact with you. They, they, they want to be friends with you. And, and, and it's more fun. It makes life more fun. It really does. To, to be lifted up and not dragged down, it just feels better. Oh, my God. That, that was epic. <laughs> that was just brilliant. And I love what you said. Wish people love, kindness, safety, and security. Yep. Most of us do not even think about that. And you're so right. Like wishing someone safety and security. Sometimes when someone hurts us, what do we do? We want them to suffer in pain. We want them, oh, I wish that person would trip and fall or the worst kind of thoughts comes into our head. But wishing someone love, kindness, safety and security is the most, I feel that is the most generous thing that we can do. And we forget to do, like you said, sometimes even world leaders make us crazy or our managers or our neighbors, that, that neighbor who, who cuts the grass at 5 a.m. or at 10 p.m., right? And we never know what's going on. It's our expectation. Like it goes back to our own ego, right? When we have expectation, it comes from a place of judgment. It comes from a place of ego. And I love that. We do not know what's going on in someone else's life when we wish them love, kindness, uh, security, and safety. Our perspective shifts. We become kind, and again, we become a catalyst, right? It, mm -hmm. That's just beautifully, beautifully put. You know, as it relates to business, and, and by the way, some, some of us have had horrendous things happen to us in, in this world and in this life. And, and you know, sometimes it, it isn't as simple as, you know, this meditation that I say. And so, you know, th those people I always encourage get, you know, get professional help if you can. Um, it's still a worthwhile thing to wish people love and kindness. But, you know, um, if it's deeper than that, um, it's important to, to find uh, somebody that you can talk to about that. And a professional is always, um, you know, the, the best route if, if that's something that people could do in their life. Um, but as it relates to business, you know, I, I, this is kind of, you know, my world is business. And so, 
you know, where, where I've been meeting sometimes and I'm feeling a certain agitation or my ego is feeling it's being challenged or whatever. Um, one, that's a practice that I actually, if I'm sitting there and I'm starting to feel that feeling, I will actually look at the person who is communicating with me. And in my mind, I will go through that and I'll look at them and I'll say, I wish you love and kindness, health and healing, safety and security. I wish you love and kindness, health. And, and there's something about doing that, that drives the ego down, that takes away all that agitation and that buildup. Because all of a sudden you're going from, you know, being agitated because we disagree on some topic about something we want to do with the company or the business or an account or whatever it might be to, wait a second, there's just humans here disagreeing on, some, on, on something. And that's fine. I mean, that's the way things go in life. And, you know, starting to change your perspective, change your lens on the situation and putting your heart out to the person. I swear now I have no, no scientific evidence of this and, and I'm sure it's just something I'm feeling, but I feel that their energy shifts. I feel my energy of that love and kindness that I'm sending them. I feel they feel that and I feel them sort of start to settle down and the conversation becomes um, maybe less contentious and more, you know, more respectful. Right. It's a pretty cool thing. I, I, I encourage people in business to try this um, because I think it could be very impactful and save you a lot of time and angst. It's, I agree with you, Rob. I, I believe, I totally believe in the energy shift. <laughs> I was talking about this with my friends last year and they thought that I was a little bit cuckoo, but <laughs> Like, I feel, I always feel the energy of people and, and when, when I immediately pick up energy when I enter a room or when I meet people, it's just something that I, I can do. And I feel that everyone has got the ability. It, it just depends on how, I call it how calm you are or how tuned you are. But you're so right. When I pick up energy of people and sometimes I can tell that, when people come to meetings or parties, they bring this energy of something like it can come from a place of ego. It can come from a place of expectation or it can come from a place of sadness or, mm -hmm. or not being confident. And, and sometimes it works, not sometimes <laughs> it works for me, but yeah. I like to touch people not in a wrong way. I like to touch people when, when <laughs> I see them. <laughs> Let them rephrase. Let I get rephrase. you. Yes. I get you. <laughs> I like, I'm a very handsy person. I like to touch people. I like to feel their energy. I like to give people hugs. That's mm. just me. And, and I feel that when you touch people, people, human beings are meant to be hugged and just like touch. I feel that touch has got healing properties. When I mm. feel that someone comes into the room with sadness, the energy of sadness or, or ego, Sometimes I like to like give them a hug and it changes, right? Because mm -hmm. your hug is just filled with vibration. It's vibration, it's energy, it shifts. And everything changes. The perspective changes, the conversation changes. And I feel that it's also a matter of how, how well that other person is reciprocating it or being open to accepting it. But there are situations where people are still so not open to accepting it. And then I mm -hmm. do feel the tense, a little bit of tense, but it shifts, but not drastically. It shifts a little bit. But 
that's how it is. I agree with you in wishing people well or in shifting that energy. And, and I like, and I like what you just said. It's disagreement. Sometimes people think that when we go into meetings or meeting a friend, when we have dialogues with friends or even with managers or with our peers, we feel that the other person, they have got to agree with us. And people do not think or accept that disagreeing is a good thing. It allows us to learn more. It allows us to accept, to see, again, going back to perspective, right? It allows, to see, it allows us to see other people's perspective. And mm. even if we do not agree, it's good because now we know that we are each individuals. Being individuals is a good thing. Yeah, right. Being That's wonderful. I love that. Being individuals is a good thing and respecting um, the strengths that we all bring to this life. I love what you talk about hugging. It's one of my favorite topics, actually. I totally agree with you about hugging. I try to hug as many people as I can every day, both here at the company. I don't find it to be um, an unprofessional thing at all. Uh, I think that it shows it shows love. It's a way of showing love. It doesn't mean it's the kind of love you might have for your spouse or for your kids. It's 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 just a different kind of love. And um, you know, the I'll share a, a a thing that I challenge sometimes. I go out to dinner with a group of friends or whatever, and at the end of dinner, um, I'll say, "Okay, we're all going to do the eight second hug." And I, I encourage you, you and, and your listeners to try this. And that is, let's say you're, you're a group of six people. Everybody embrace each other for eight seconds. Okay, so you hug one person for eight seconds and then you switch, you hug the next person for eight seconds. I don't know what it is. Eight seconds feels like a really long time to people because our hugs are so quick. You know, we do quick hugs, not that there's anything wrong with it. Quick hugs are great too, but there's something really cool about this eight second hug. And the other thing that's kind of cool is realizing that many, that you're uncomfortable with that period of time. And what does that mean? And kind of investigating that a little bit, getting a little bit more comfortable with the energy that you're feeling from other people when you hug them. The other thing I wanted to build on that you were talking about is feeling energy. And I do think the meditation practice is helpful um, it, it is, is useful in feeling and sort of picking up in different energy vibes. Um, and it's not a woo-woo kind of thing. It's a real thing. And, and, and you know, actually, I, I think a lot of people pick up on energy in general, but they, they kind of maybe aren't aware of it, which is kind of different. Um, it's sort of like floating out there, but you're not thinking much about it versus going into a room like you do and just picking up on a vibe, like, like you've got to get a sense of some things. And uh, the meditation practice that I do, um, that is one of the things, it's sort of your sense perceptions. Um, they start to become a little bit more heightened. And that is an important thing as you flow through life to sort of pick up on those little subtleties. And it can be the energy from a group of people when you go into a conference room or to a party, or it could be the beauty of a flower or you know, the person in front of you at that Starbucks who's taking forever. Um, you know, it, it could be, it could be that as well. Um, you know, the, the, the four things, the four foundations of meditation, um, the type of meditation that I do is, um, a focus on the body. And so we all have a, a feeling in our body, uh, that can be aches or pains, or, you know, sometimes it feels very 
like good and you don't feel and so one of the things that's happening when you're meditating is you're becoming aware of your body um, and we don't do that usually other unless you know our knee hurts and we all we can do is obsess on our knee the other thing is um, becoming uh, highly aware of our feelings <clears throat> you know so we go through our day we're busy 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 there's underlying feelings going on and when you stop and you sit the feelings start to come alive and you feel oh I'm frustrated you know or whatever the words are that you want to use. oh I'm, I'm i'm feeling so great today you know whatever it might be so mm -hmm. it, it brings awareness to your feelings and then the thoughts um which we've talked about so those are the four things that are happening during um, this type of meditation and you know that practice allows that awareness as you go into uh, a meeting let's say and you're feeling frustrated in, from the previous meeting and you're about to walk into a new meeting with a group of people and if you're aware of it you can take a second and shift if you're not aware of it, you go in frustrated. Everybody picks up that something's not right with Rob. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm not going anywhere with him. You know, with stay away from any conversations with Rob. And so there's this underlying uh, thing going on, right. and it's not healthy. It doesn't get you anywhere. And so even if you even if you feel comfortable, and and it would be wonderful if you have a culture and a company where you can walk in. I know we do. And we actually start each meeting um, with one thing that we do is we say, how are you feeling? You know, and, and, and express the feeling that you're having at this moment. Actually, I'm frustrated. Actually, I'm feeling great. You know, my day's flowing so far, so I'm feeling really good. You know, whatever or anything in between. Um, I'm tired. I didn't sleep much last night. Oh, that's a great data point for us all. Maybe we won't, like, you know, get too intense with a conversation with that person. You know, so putting that feeling out there and being vulnerable about it is, is a really key thing. And I think a meditation practice helps you become more in tune with your feelings. I love, I love the question that you asked, how are you feeling today? And that is something that we do not, or most of us do not think of asking, right? It's like, yeah. when I moved to the United States, uh, the, greeting, <laughs> the greeting was, how's it going, right? And that was something new to me. Oh, what's up? Um. Yeah, yeah. And, and the answer is typically good, good, busy, busy. Right. You know, it's kind of like the same, you know, but um, imagine a world where you could just be true and authentic uh, uh, to, the, you know, what's exactly going on. You know, let me just share with you because I'll just kind of expand on the meeting rhythm that we have when we start at every meeting. We actually start with what's called a minute to arrive. And this is a time where, we all get settled, or even if it's just a one-on-one -on -one and two people, is you just stop for a second before you get into anything, and we sit quietly and for one minute. And this allows all the stuff you came in with to hopefully kind of like get put to the side for a moment so you can arrive and be in the present moment with the group you're with or with the person that you're with. So it's a minute to just come to the present moment and then open your eyes and now it's us together as a group or one-on-one -on -one, and let's focus on each other and what we're trying to accomplish here and not worry so much about what we were trying to accomplish in the other interactions that we we're having prior to walking into this room. The next thing that we do is we say, how are you feeling? Scale of one to five. 
and, uh, and then use an emotion if you can. And then the third thing is how did you sleep, scale of one to five, and then share some insight on that if you care to. And so somebody might say, I slept at two because uh, my child was sick all last night, and so you know I'm pretty much exhausted. And that tells us a lot about that person and what's going on. So coming and arriving, and then the data points are how's the person feeling and how did they sleep? And then now you get a choice in terms of how you interact with them. Because we can, in, in, in a time where somebody's frustrated or tired or whatever, we can adjust our communication style with them that helps us move forward in more healthy ways. Uh, but if they're great, you can adjust your, you know, you can adjust your communication style accordingly for that too. And so, um, and then we all kind of know from a set point where are we at, where are all our heads at? And I think it's a really nice way to start a meeting. I love it. Oh my God, that is so brilliant. It is putting humanity first, putting yes. the human into human again. I feel that it's just, no one would ever think about asking, how did you sleep? I mean, I ask, I ask my husband that, how did you sleep? It's just to, to, to know how he's going to feel the whole day, if he's going to be crabby or nice. Mm -hmm. But that's such a good data that... You, doctor to speak about if someone like you said if someone's child is sick and they sit up till 2 or 3 a.m and they only got three hours of sleep they are not having a good yeah. day they're not focused and how, how can you how can you make a good decision you know so you know the person was up all night okay you know what let's not make that decision today it's okay tomorrow right. is a new day and usually things aren't that urgent you know sometimes they are but that's that's the slight major you know minority um oh i wanted to share also that at the the end of each meeting we go around the room and we rank the meeting from one to ten and that tells us how each person felt it went for them and that's a great data point too because if somebody says it was a six something didn't go well for them during the meeting and we can spend some more time getting vulnerable and understanding maybe what i said that upset them or whatever the circumstances were and then we end with what is one thing you're grateful for? And so as you leave each meeting, you're expressing gratitude for something. And so all day long, if you're in meetings, you're expressing gratitude at the end of each one of them. And it doesn't have to be, have to do with the business. It's gratitude for, you know, uh, spending time with my, you know, mother or, you know, this past weekend, it could be any of it. And so, um, it kind of, you know, expressing gratitude is another very uh, impactful uh, habit that, that we can bring on. And so we try to incorporate that in our meeting rhythms. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And gratitude is something that brings us back to the present moment. It ties, yeah. it ties our conversation back to being in the present, right? Like I feel that when I, this is not part of my meditation, but I just, I have a book. <laughs> This is my gratitude book. So every day I Fantastic. write, I, every day I write what I'm grateful for. It can be, I'm breathing today. I'm, I'm walking today. I'm, I'm not having my vertigo today. I, it, it, th that's all something that, grat when we express gratitude, this is something I've found. When I express gratitude every single day, I feel that my life or my situation or something comes into an abundance. And, and that applies to work life. That applies to, anything right and i absolutely loved what you just said 
expressing gratitude and having that conversation. You mentioned something about what is something um, if I offended you. I feel that that's a very important conversation or dialogue, dialogue that we need to have. And it's just not at the workplace, but it needs to happen even when we meet groups of friends, right? Sometimes when I meet my friends, we get together and sometimes you have that, that dominant personality in your group of friends and they will just start talking and just conquer that whole com conversation. I'm not going to call it dialogue, a conversation. And everyone would just keep quiet and listen and listen and listen. And no one really takes time to, to express, oh, this is upsetting me. You taking up all the time is upsetting me. Um, no one really takes the time to express gratitude or speak about what is bothering us until we bottle everything up and it bursts and then we yeah, severe yeah. ties. We do not, we, 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 we are not friends with that person anymore or mm -hmm. we, we switch teams or we switch companies or we leave home. It happens in family life too and that is a very important asset. I call it an asset that you practice mm -hmm. gratitude and expressing what is bothering you and that's just mm -hmm. beautiful Rob. Mm, thank you you know i think i love the example you use with the friends and here's here's something that uh your listeners can think about doing it's pretty simple it doesn't take a long time um and it starts your day off in a pretty good way the gratitude journal by the way is excellent um but uh, in terms of putting it out to the world think of about three people in your life that are very special to you and when you get up in the morning, send them a text that simply says, I'm grateful for you. I love you so much. You don't have to say anything more than that. And send them that text every single day. Um, you'd be surprised how surprised they are and how good it feels to them to receive that message first thing in the morning. And, uh, and it feels pretty darn good to send it because you're thinking of that person at that moment. And you really are thinking, I am grateful for that person. You know, I really am. And, uh, and so that's a kind of a fun thing, but it's a really simple thing that somebody can do to incorporate gratitude in their life. Uh, that's, that's just beautiful. And you're so right. Like texting someone things like I text my husband, <laughs> I text my, my sister. Yeah. But you are so right. What if someone sent me that text how would it make me feel? Right. It, it, it's just beautiful. Oh, wow. It's just, <laughs> I love, I, I love what you have shared today. It is just brilliantly paired. I, I love your mind, Rob. It, it's, it's just brilliant. Oh, you're kind. Thank, thank you for, thank you for sharing your insight, your wisdom. Where can my listeners find you? Well, you can go to do nothing book.com. And uh, you should be able to find everything that you wanted to know and more um, about uh, any of the stuff that, that I'm up to. And uh, also, if you have questions or want to reach out or anything of that nature, I'm always available. So feel free. You know, you can contact me through there. All the social links are there. And so you can have whatever works best for you. That's the best thing to do. It's just it's all right there. Do nothingbook.com. Brilliant. Thank you again for sharing your time. Thank sharing you for having me. It was such a pleasure. And I really appreciate everything that you're doing in the world to be a lifter upper and in your story and, you know, kind of changing um, your path is really inspirational. 
and uh, I'm super grateful to have gotten to know you and I'm glad that you reached out thank you very much thank you Rob I, I again it's I'm really thankful for you as well like speaking with you um, just sitting here and listening to you you know when you say your mind wonders my mind was like wondering that like, the minute you said something I was like I had a vision so it, it's just I'm really thankful <laughs> speaking with you. and this is what I love I love having dialogues with people uh, because it inspires you in nuanced way, right? You never know how it's going to change your world or how it's going to change your life. So I truly, truly appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs>